You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Oh, prankle, prankle. All right, everybody. Welcome to Low Key Wall here on this Friday, May 25th, 2018. Um, yeah. Um, I'm actually liking it here on this Friday. I did, like, accidentally um, fall asleep right after uh, uh, Liberty and Chill because I... Uh, well, Paul and I decided to go to Cafe Audrey's to go get food instead of going sitting at Triton. And I love the food at Cafe Audrey's. one of my favorite places to eat on the fort. And I took that and I fell asleep after eating that. My bad. Luckily, hey, my wife, my uh, co-host, uh, my, my, not my co-host, but uh, my partner in crime, made sure I got up. But speaking of partners in crime and partners in this, we've also got some people here from the Discord and the... Um, in the, in the Discord, hanging out for this low-key wall episode. Uh, I think we've got um, Reinhold in there. Reinhold, go ahead and say hi. Good evening, everybody. And we also have, uh, we've got the memes are stoned. Why don't you go ahead and say hi? We're live on air. Hello. It's a little bit late for... But hey. A little bit for what? A little late for what? Late, late for a Twitch stream, but hey. No, most Switch dreams really happen late. Like, it was really rare for, like, Loki Wall to go like, so early like we did, though. That explains why I miss it every time. <laughs> well, like, a Loki Wall decided to move to Friday nights because it was, um, for the few weeks, because it would be easier on me, especially because uh, the company that I started working for started to move to, uh, is getting ready to move, uh, move from its location in Lawrence to downtown Indianapolis, so... During the week, I'm going to be pretty busy, so that's why I wasn't on um, Wall this week, uh, because I was dealing with the move, uh, all the issues with the move, meeting with people in California, which, you know, they're in Pacific time, so noon is 9 a.m. their time, so, you know, when it becomes 5 p.m. my time, to them it's just, you know, barely the middle of their day, so (laughs) they still want to have conversations, meetings, and phone calls at 5, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and since I need their information from their head to do the move downtown, well, look like I'm working to (laughs) 8. Yeah, and the guy they got to replace you, too. That guy's a loser. Yeah, that guy, I heard that guy was uh, not the best, okay? 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 All right, but it's okay. The best you can do with a, with a, one of those like a loners, you know, the the temps the, from the temp service, the podcast temp service. <laughs> it's like a paper uh, paper candidate. Paper candidate. They, we should start that like a like a the podcast temp service. If you need a <laughs> if you need a co-host, we've got temp candidates to send to you. I can talk about anything. Trust me, I can get it. I can get on here and talk with authority on anything, any any topic, any subject. I might even sound like I know what I'm talking about most of the time. <laughs> but anyway, so that's why, like, uh, that's why we moved uh, Loki Wall from Wednesday nights to Friday nights, um, and possibly we might even start doing like because I thought about because I really did get to play with um, Boss Hog Liberty's their Zoom HD to they use their portable mic setup. At poolside, and I really did like that. And I'm th- and I really want to test it out with the microphone, with the headphone set, and at a like a the bar setting, and might even try to record like low key wall sitting at Triton or whatever place we decide to do low key wall at, and do uh, well, Liberty and Chill at, and do low key wall there. Make it more interesting, make it more fun, make it more you know like you know 
the, the, the fun fan hangout that I always that I like the vision of what Loki Wall to me has always been has always been is because it's the reading the articles and stories that I care about that are weird out there and mostly just a fan hangout and hang out with you guys like I like it when Stone and everybody jumps into the Discord channel you know to talk and I really have, really have missed everybody in the Discord channel because I'm dealing with this move to work uh, this move. I can't wait till the move is over, which June 16th cannot get here fast enough. Um, I'm hoping to be done June 11th <laughs> and take the week off. <laughs> be ready for when people start coming down. You know, just just sit at home and sleep. But, you know, that's me. So, but I've heard everyone else has had a fun week. Right, home. You want to you talk about your week? No. Actually, uh, so what happened to me was I did not follow my own advice. I was not backing up my system. I had a hard drive failure and lost a lot of data. Oh, no. So it's been a fun couple of days, including work stuff, home stuff, uh, year, 10 years worth of pictures, etc. I think I've got a lot of it recovered just from ba other backups that I have taken and old hard drives and moving data around for the past several decades. So. Uh, I think I haven't missed, too, I'm not missing too much, but uh, I still think I may be taking the hard drive and sending it off to get repaired. Oh, oh rip, 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 yeah, rip. It's been, a, it's been a fun couple of days, and I do recommend that if you uh, are like me and have been putting off doing that daily maintenances or the backups, the things that you should be doing for your data, because you think, uh, everything's fine, it'll be fine for another couple of days, or... Mm -hmm. Because I had planned this weekend to move some stuff off that hard drive anyway. Because mm -hmm. um, I just bought a new hard drive. I was going to move everything off of it. And that was going to be my weekend work. And then Thursday, I decided to say, hey, it looks like you're going to do something productive. Let's uh, let's uh, take care of that for you. <laughs> and my hard drive decided to just get off the go. So, yep. um, and it's not, it's not an easy recoverable thing where I can just put it in and try to do something funky and, and spin right and get it back. It's it's a firmware crash uh, that could be creating a, a head crash. I'm not sure yet on that. So it's going to need some professional care. The And also remember, RAID isn't backup. RAID is just storage. So... Like even this thing right here, this rate my uh, up here at the top of the uh, this uh, my machine, which is a bunch of 500 gig drives rated together to get terabyte the hard way. Up here, I, I have installed. I don't know if everyone can see it. Let me come down to the camera a little bit more. Is um, just the bright orange Western Digital terabyte drive, which it's it is its backup. It sits up there funky like that because usually it sits behind the computer, and not usually supposed to sit on a shelf. But I've been using it as my main PC up here. So it backs up onto that drive. Now, you may be saying to yourself, Harry, I can't afford one of them fandangle um, expensive terabyte external drives. Well, yes, you can. They're only about $50. Okay? And trust me, um, hiring someone like Reinhold or sending it out to the drive to get fixed is going to be a lot cheaper than that thing is. But you also got to be checking on maintenance. Hmm? Would, would you like to hear some of the prices I've been quoted so far? Oh, yes. This would be great. This would be great. This is great informative information. Informative information, everybody. All right. 
So there are the low-tier recovery places that are offering $99 for basic service. Okay. Uh, That's around two weeks of having your your, uh, hard drive and then maybe telling you whether it can get to you or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they had expedited services up to four or five hundred dollars, where they could look at it in less than a week, maybe. Um, and I think there was a thousand dollar service where they could basically, as soon as they get it in, they would work on it until they could tell you whether they could recover or not. They would put you to the head of the line. Now the uh, upper tier recovery services, because the lower tier recovery services I'm talking about are not as reputable and and capable of doing this work they don't have the highest level of clean rooms they have just some basic clean rooms mm-hmm. so it's not really the same level of service but then you've got your on tracks and your acs's and their basic service starts out around 500 dollars and can go up to several thousand depending on the speed that you need it uh the quantity what's wrong with it etc cetera, etc cetera. so data recovery is not cheap an extra hard drive that you're backing stuff up to is much, much cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and you don't even need like a mechanical solution to a desktop, uh, external solution for a desktop. You could use, um, a, um, another internal drive. If you have the space inside, if you have, uh, uh, just a large enough flash drive, because like 16 gig flash drives are incredibly cheap right now. And you could do that and just do like an image, like a get like Macrium or even like the simple like Windows Restore, and just I think yeah you can restore down to like a ten gig depending on how big your drive is of course. Uh, you can restore down like the main image down to ten gigs, which easily stay on a flash drive. It's not the best solution in the world, but you know it 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 was it could be something um, if you don't have something there's large. Also, there's also the options of cloud storage. Yep. Uh, carbonite or mm-hmm. just OneDrive copying, you know, have all of your stuff saved in a OneDrive folder that gets copied back up to OneDrive overnight mm-hmm. uh, or Dropbox or whatever service uh, you might want to use for that. But get get the stuff backed up somehow. There's so many different methods and, and ways to do it. Some are much less expensive than others, mm-hmm. but they're all much less expensive than uh, that feeling that you get when you think you may have just lost uh, over a decade of pictures. Yep. And test your backups because you're just because you have your backup solution in place, test it. See if it actually works. See even if you can recover from that. Can you recover from it? Have you ever done it before? Do you even know how to do it? Make sure you answer these questions from whatever solution you go to. So uh, if you do have Carbonite and you do backup from it and you send your backups there, test it. Test it. Doesn't work. How long does it even the take? Warning, the other warning for Carbonite is that you have to continually pay for the pay them as long as you're using them as a backup service. The the minute you stop paying, they don't just keep that data around. After after like thirty days of non payment, they'll send you some emails saying, Hey, we really need you to get in here and, and pay us some more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they say if you don't pay us within a certain period of time, we're deleting your data. Because yep. they're not gonna just sit and store it that you know for free forever. Mm-hmm. You don't expect them to do that, so they they just delete the file so that if you're frantic like somebody I know who's trying to figure it out and thought, oh, I used to use Carbonite. I wonder if they still have the data. They don't. Surprised they don't sell like some like weird service that like hey, we'll, we'll charge you a thousand dollars to send someone a hard drive to see if we can find it on our one of our old backups. <laughs> 
money talks. If you're really wanting that data, I'm sure they can figure something out. But oh yeah, uh, old tape backup, something that they have in the vault somewhere, they might mm-hmm. be able to yank it out for a, for a high penny price. But mm-hmm. uh, I would, of all the data services that I have used in the past for data recovery, I would recommend OnTrack. They have always been the best to me um, for what they've been able to do for the customers. I mean, they saved my bacon. Uh, many, many years ago in a project we were working with. And so I always always recommend them if you have a choice, like between ACS and and OnTrack and a couple of the other top tiers. Um, At this point, now that I've got most of my data back and there's not really that much that I'm too worried about anymore, Mm -hmm. I may go ahead and give one of these lower tier ones a try. Okay. Uh, Because if they screw it up, eh, I'm kind of out anyway, so why not? So we'll see if that $99 special works, but I can always report back, report back <laughs> how that process goes. But um, So that might be a try. And I had a uh, niece offer to do it for me, to open up the drive and fix it for me. And I'm like, uh, have you done it before? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So, um, But that was, that was before I'd found some old, old backups that I did have. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know how we'll figure that out. Yeah, I've done it before, but every time I've ever done it, opened up and fixed it before, I've always gone and got one good pull off it. So I'm very uncomfortable doing it. Like it was like okay, that's the, that's the, and that's the problem I have is there's no way I can get a good pull off of it because it's not recognizable because it sees the sectors, it sees the cylinders, or it sees the it sees the heads and cylinders, but it doesn't see the sectors. And if it doesn't see the sectors, the sectors are there. Uh, that's telling me that the firmware is probably blown up. You know? Oof. 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 That's what... Right, hmm? Yeah. What? Stone? Things have road rage. Yeah. So over here on Woot.com, they're selling a 6 terabyte external drive for $114. So. Easily go pick one up. You know, it, it, it'll help out. It can really save your bacon one day. So, really? speaking, yeah, and you can also save to network attached storage drives, right? And the cool thing about network attached storage devices, sometimes bad crap can happen with network attached storage devices. I'm bringing this one up because one of the network storage devices on this thing's list we use at my job, the QNAP, what, the QNAP NAS boxes. Granted, we don't use the NAS like they talk about using NAS on it, but it's still on our network, so I'm concerned about this thing. So this comes from Ars Technica, Ars Technica, sorry. <laughs> Hackers infest, infect 500,000 consumer routers all over the world with malware. The VPN filter can spy reboots and constraint, uh, contain destructive kill functions. This is just a big, like, real trolley style of malware that's out there. And it fixes a lot of different devices. It slows some devices that I like to use or have recommended before. Hackers possibly working for an advanced nation. I don't know. Troll nation, apparently. Have infected more than 500,000 home and small office routers around the world with malware that can be used to collect communications, launch attacks on others, and permanently destroy the devices with a single command. Research Cisco warned on Wednesday. VPN filter as the modular multi-stage malware has been dubbed works on consumer-grade routers made by Lynx's, Microtik, Net- Netgear, TP-Link, and on network-attached storage devices from QNAP. Cisco Research said in an advisory, 
it's one of the few pieces of Internet of Things malware that can survive a reboot. Infections in at least 54 countries have been slowly building since at least 2016, and Cisco researchers have been monitoring them for several months. The attacks drastically ramp up during the past three weeks, including two major assaults on devices located in Ukraine. The spikes combined with the advanced capabilities of the malware prompted Cisco to release Wednesday's report before the research is completed. FBI agents have seized a key server used in the attack. The agent said Russian government hackers used toknowall.com as a backup method to deliver a second stage of malware already infected routers. So, um, too long do not read, uh, did not read, um, Russia again. So, Russia, 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 Russia. But yeah, so, Internet of Things or Internet of Targets, as you know, a lot of people have, been, um, as Dr. Brian Savard always calls them. Uh, these are so like these are devices that try to make it very, very easy to remote in and VPN set up. But when things are easy, sometimes it can program with security holes. That happens. It's the reason why um, people like Nice, Reinhold, uh, Michael, and my we make big bucks because that easy equipment. Well, it's easy for a reason, and they, you know, security holes get plugged, in, plugged into without someone also looking at it. You know, like people look at it, me like, well, why do you want to put an intrusion detection system or protection system inside of it? Because hackers are trolls. You know, like they're not like, well, we don't have no data to steal. They are, aren't stealing data. They're just turning off networks and laughing. So. <laughs> So need to get you know this so you know got to protect your network. So if you have any of these things up here, but I'll keep going through the, what happened. I, um, we assess with high confidence the malware is used to create an exp expansive, hard to attribute infrastructure that can be used to uh, sever multiple operations needed to the threat actor. Cisco researcher William Lardnett wrote, "Since the affected devices are legitimately owned by businesses or individual, malicious activity conducted from the infected." devices could be mistakenly attributed to those who are actual victims of the actor. The capabilities built into the various stages of, and plugins of the malware are extremely um, versatile and would enable the actor to take advantage of devices in multiple ways. Sniffers included with the VPN filter collect login credentials, possible supervisor controls, and data acquisition traffic. The malware also makes it possible for the attackers to obfuscate themselves by using the devices as nondescript points for connecting to final targets. Targets. The researchers also said they uncovered evidence that at least some of the malware includes a command to permanently disable the device, a capability that would allow the attackers to disable internet access for hundreds of thousands of people worldwide or in focused regions depending on the particular objective. In most cases, this action is unrecoverable by most victims, requiring technical capabilities, know-how, or tools that no consumer should be expected to have, reported. We are deeply concerned about this capability, and it's one of the driving reasons we have been quietly researching this threat over the past few months. Cisco reports, five weeks after the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, FBI, and the U.K.'s National Cybersecurity jointly warned that hackers working on behalf of the Russian government are compromising a large number of routers, switches, and other network devices belonging to governments, business, and critical infrastructure providers. Cisco reports doesn't explicitly name Russia, but it does say that the VPN filter contains a broken function involving the RC4 encryption cipher that is identical to the one found in malware known as Black Energy, 
black energy has been used in a variety of attacks tied to Russian government, including one in December 2016 that caused a power outage in Ukraine. So that's how they kind of say it's Russia because of this use is um, same type of cipher. But even the United States government loses talk of their tools all the freaking time. So could it be one of their tools? We don't know. It's all up in the air for that one. The black energy, however, is believed to have been repurposed by other attack groups, so on its own, the code overlap isn't proof. VPN filter was developed by the Russian government. Wednesday's report provided no further um, attribution to the uh, the attacks other than to say that they used IP address, like I'm reading that, and the domains to knowitall.com and ivy.org. All right, so here's a good breakdown of the attack of what happens um, so basically like they, they exploit the machine they get inside of the filter and the thing is the way it decides so most IOT devices when you reboot them or reset them you know it resets all the configs or hit reboot or reset the this thing actually sits inside its firmware and holds on with its teeth so every time you try to do something like that it doesn't work doesn't doesn't know good um, Wednesday's report is concerning because routers and NOS devices typically receive no antivirus or firewall protection and are directly connected to the internet. Which that shouldn't be. They be because they okay the antivirus things a lot of them is because a lot of people use these like these NOS boxes that don't have like any type of antivirus because on them because they use like these IoT devices like that, um, especially these small ones with the firewall protection. I don't know why someone would put something like this in their DMZ. Instead of just using it as like a dynamic DNS or something like that to get inside, but it should be behind a firewall regardless because it's connected to the internet. So that's just, that's, to me, that's also look like bad practice. Um, while the research still don't know precisely how the devices are getting infected, almost all of these targets targeted have known public public exploits are difficult are default credentials that make compromising straightforward an antivirus provider Sumtech used in its own advisory Wednesday that identified the target as and it gives a list of all kinds of stuff. So that's another thing that's that's also concerning about this because it also talks about how one way that it's getting in is because the default creds are still in place. So admin admin or default default or admin blank is, or password one two three four whatever the default passwords on all these devices are also up there so one thing to also protect you from this change the basic password that came with the device which can help shield you from this yeah so a lot of those point click solutions that a lot of people love and keep using becoming an issue who saw that one coming And the fun thing about that is the uh, fact that one of my routers is sitting on that list right there. Oh, is it? Is your router on there? Ooh, ooh, the E2500. I think I got Probably one of Probably not, because it, I get the link says, but it's the WRT1200, not the E1200. Well, you, you think you lucked out, huh? Oh, oh, I've got one. It's behind, it's behind another router that... I'm sure it isn't on that list. <laughs> I just noticed the internet. I just noticed my uh, my my uh, mobile my uh, tomato. Well, this thing actually is running tomato though. So <laughs> I've got an e. I've got an e twenty four. I got this one from um, Brett Bittner, and I put tomato on this thing last year. So a goodie. Awesome. Now I know not to put the basic firmware back on that sucker.
but yeah, like uh, my job likes to use these little cheapo uh, QNAP devices. Um, so, which they're they're easy backups. You can slap them anywhere, and uh, especially for like NAS devices, instead of like going out and get something big or which they're great for. Um, which I hate them because they start end up using them for like a little bit too much stuff for me personally, and I feel like you know. It was like, oh, this thing is burnt out, and I get inside of it, and they're running like ten VMs on it, and I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? What, what's, what, what's wrong? I'm like, and I'm like, you prop, you guys are, you know, asking too much for these little QNAPs, you know, these little things only can do so much. Leave them alone. Yeah, but hopefully after this list, they'll probably decide to move off the QNAPs and go to like either just virtual private servers or just built by a freaking server that actually will handle what they're trying to do. You know, all these little test VMs on it. So, But both Cisco and Symantec are advising users of any of these devices to do a factory reset and a process that typically involves holding down a button in the back for 5 to 10 seconds. Unfortunately, these resets wipe all configuration settings stored in the device, so users will have to re-enter the settings once the device restarts. At a minimum, Symantec said users of these devices should reboot their devices that will stop Stage 2 and Stage 3 from running, at least until Stage 1 managed to reinstall them. So users should also change all default, default passwords, be sure the devices are running the latest firmware, and then whenever possible disable remote administration. Netgear officials in the past few hours have started to advising users some router models to turn off remote management. TP-Link officials, meanwhile, said they are investigating Cisco findings. So it's best practices, change your passcode, disabling remote management. Um, that's going to stink for a lot of different... Um, um, people for that are used to doing remote management because they didn't set up like site-to-site VPN access to get inside the net, back inside the network to disable thing. They like to use that thing as a like, WAN facing forward. But to me, is also is just like, a lot of people, a lot of, especially like small businesses. I understand the need of trying to be you know inexpensive stuff like that, but this thing is only meant to do so much, and they put so much into these things that so it is like they're. Their site to set VPN machine, it's their DHCP server, it's their like lifeblood of their network, but they spent like 200 bucks on it. I'm like, you're gonna put more than $200 worth of information through this thing every day. Can we spend some more money on this, please? It's a critical piece of infrastructure. Yeah. But uh, there's no easy way to determine if a router has been affected. It's not, not clear yet if running the latest firmware or changing default password prevents infection in all cases. Cisco and Symantec said that attackers are exploiting known vulnerabilities, but given the general quality of IoT firmware, it may be possible the attackers are also exploiting zero-day flaws, which by definition device manufacturers have yet to fix. And that's another thing for the also issue with a lot of these like Soho devices is that they don't get a lot of upgrades. Uh, or um, their, their firmware doesn't keep upgrading with them. It doesn't keep going. Um, here, let me go see if uh, the uh, Cisco E2500, which is right there, when was like the, you know, when, is, when was the last firmware upgrade for the sucker? We'll go, let's get on the E25. Let's, you know, look this sucker up. When was the last thing this thing got a firmware upgrade? Let's Let's see here. Uh, latest software, latest upgrade. Uh, 
version three. Oh wow, this thing got an up got got an update. Oh nope, just the connect software. The connect software got an update. Oh nope nope nope. They did a firmware upgrade on this thing in January. Wow, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that thing got an upgrade in January. <laughs> Because before that, they didn't have an upgrade since uh, 2014. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking, because that's when I put a tomato out there on. Because when I got it, like, a year ago, I was like, okay, let me upgrade the firmware. Wow, it's been out of date. Well, going to tomato. Uh, here, let me transition over here so you guys can see. Yeah, so this is like when I first got it. That's when the firmware, like, what I didn't know is they actually made a 3.0 version right here. And they made a different build for the 3.0 version of this thing. So that one actually got a firmware update this year, which is awesome. Awesome, I got an upgrade. So Cisco probably worked on that. Um, all right, let me go to the website for the tomato route, uh, flash router that I keep talking about. because. I keep saying like tomato. I'm putting tomatoes on my. Uh... <laughs> well, that's one of the great things about Cisco taking over Linux or or Linksys is that they they're much better at making updates and firmware updates and keeping their stuff active for a longer period of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, over here, the uh, tomato is basically it's a firmware update that you can, that's someone's made for the uh, so the open source community just going up there and flashing old school um, um, or just like uh, different like routers are out there and stuff like that so it's really cool if you got one of these old things locking around allows you to get current firmware updates through the open source community so I like it I like to take old routers and do that for I um, mean it's also cool to watch um, the um, phone system that our my company just had a transition to they actually recommend running a tomato router over anything else it's like oh we, we highly recommend just running tomato here how to set it up and I'm like wow <laughs> and, you know they can they're instructing people to take that Linksys thing or whatever router they had and putting tomato on it that was I like look really like this company and I could really get like, I like this I like this I like this little company so, Randall, any other thoughts? No, just make sure that you uh, don't forget about that that router sitting there and, and check it for firmware upgrades once in a while and, and make sure that it's functioning and mm -hmm. uh, don't just like hook it up and it's working and you just forget about it. Yep. It's an important piece of your of your network and it can cause problems if because uh, it's your first line of defense too for the for the internet. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just uh, keep, keep an eye on it. Yep. yep. Just those things. Watching your backups. Um, checking your uh, like um, uh, software upgrade uh, updates on things on your network that are attached, and just things in general. That's the main reason why you see me rant about smart devices and not liking smart devices. Is because, like, say, let's say you got a Samsung smart TV. If they stop doing firmware updates and there's a bug on that sucker, that thing will all, you know, it's going to be attached to my network until I buy a new TV. So, I usually don't attach smart devices to my network, and um, I have been known to open up things and rip out Wi-Fi cards. <laughs> Just snip the antenna right off it. Just snip it. It's done. It's going to have this Wi-Fi card inside of it all at once, but if the Ethernet jack is full of glue and the uh, Wi-Fi antenna is broken, is disconnected? Meh, meh. It's not that smart now. Not that smart. Well, it's gonna be smart all at once, but it's not talking to anything. 
So you've got that. So we've talked about backing up your machine, protecting your network and network devices and doing that. There's an awesome like, piece of tech here. You know, we're talking about that. I think the next thing to transition to here on this, apparently we're talking about this very tech-centered issue right now, is talk about VPNs and Everyone always told me, like, and I always feel like I need to do the VPN, especially do a VPN show. But really cool VPN service just launched yesterday, and I figured everyone needs to know about it. Pornhub launches a VPN and a free and limited VPN service. Woo! <laughs> if you want, you know, like, I, I kind of like the idea because I always hate going out and paying for a VPN service because I don't want one, give a company my data and the terrible stuff I can do behind a VPN. But it's Pornhub. They already know me. They already know I'm an awful person. They <laughs> all my preferences. <laughs> They've got other things they're worried about and seeing other people go like, oh, that's awful. But so, meh, meh. Like I said, the only... Hmm? I think there's, a, there's another good reason why that's coming into play. I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, apparently, there's a new thing in Europe, going, in, in Great Britain going on, where you know how you have a TV license and mm -hmm. you have to you know, pay for, for using the TV? They've now set it up so that if you want to watch porn on the internet, you have to buy a porn license. Right. Well, that, that's you have to enter that porn license in, and in order to go visit a porn site, it, you will be tracked and monitored, and they know who's going where and everything else. So this VPN service mm -hmm. might be a way around that, too. Are you trying to say Pornhub, which is one of the largest streaming services on the net, second only to YouTube, would do something so underhanded like that for its customers? It might just be a happy coincidence. You're not telling me they're doing this because they want to protect internet privacy and security? Champions of freedom? That's what I see it as. They're champions of freedom. <laughs> Fre freedom of speech. Like They always stand for it. But yeah, I have heard of... The Constitution of Party hates this, I'm sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure they'll hate this. But, uh... Yeah, I did hear about that. The the FAP license that you have to get the the FAP in Great Britain, you know, punch your codes in. So, which I'm sure that information the government collects will never be used against anybody, ever. <laughs> of course, just like the you know, all the cameras everywhere it doesn't get used for that or anything like you know, they they're not jailing people for saying bad things on their Facebook or anything like that either. So oh, no. That would never happen. No, never. Never. It's, it's great Breton. 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 Nah, mate. Anyways, Pornhub wants you to keep your porn viewing activities private and is ready to help you out with an all-new VPN service. Yes, you heard that right. Adult entertainment giant Pornhub has launched its very own VPN service today with free and unlimited bandwidth to help keep your prying eyes away from your browsing activity. Dubbed VPN Hub, the VPN service by Pornhub is available for both mobile as well as desktop platforms, including Android, iOS, macOS, and Windows. That's awesome. I'm sure there will be a Linux write-up for it shortly. VPN or Virtual Private Network allows users to transmit data anonymously, avoids ISP-level website blocking or tracking, and keeps your browsing activity private by encrypting your data, even when you are on a public Wi-Fi connection, which is very important. We talked about that in the past. It's very, very important. 
which I think we really need to do the, uh, the VPN setup soon. So I guess she'll be glad to do that. Uh, so, I have, so I have a question. I don't know if you've read it's detailed in the article yet, if you've read through this yet. But so when you set the VPN connectivity up to the Pornhub, does only the Pornhub traffic travel across that VPN, or are they VPNing everything you do? From what I've read through this article, it is doing everything through that through this tunnel. That's interesting. So they're they're actually going to be a full bore, one hundred percent free VPN for everybody. Yeah, and you never you never have to go to Pornhub at all. You can still use this to protect yourself online. Mm-hmm. It, which is which. It, 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 here's the thing is right like Pornhub might become the bastion of freedom from around the world like honestly like I think we might be seeing the echoes like you know the, like the uh, the Arab Spring and stuff like that of going on on Twitter and Facebook and said other countries using to hunt this down what if it's going to be Pornhub well how long before they decide to change their name and just become a streaming VPN service that also has porn who knows who knows? They've got. So they have to get all the people from from YouTube to come over there. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's starting yeah. to be a thing. So. Yeah, and they have fu money. Pornhub has fu money. They have lots of money. They make a yeah, lot. Like they're yeah, it's not like they're going out of business anytime soon either. No, yeah, they have a more profitable model than um, uh, freaking um, uh, YouTube dubs. You know, granted, like that's a lot of most advertisers don't want to uh, advertise with pornography, but the people who don't care or with the audience, they pay a hefty penny to put their ads on, you know, on Pornhub, you know, so <laughs> it's awesome. Anyways, uh, it, it even get, they even do other things in it, but I'll get to that. Um, VPN Hub promises to never store, collect, sell, or share your personal information with any third parties for their marketing, advertising, or research purposes. However, in its privacy policy, under the heading How We Use Your Information, the company says it can sell aggregate or non-personal uh, per- personal identifiable information with non-affiliate third parties for advertising, marketing, or research. Basically, your viewing habits, they'll anonymize to sell you ads on their platform. Just Which, like Google does. Just like Google, Google. Or you're here on Twitch. That's what they do here on Twitch. Um, it's what websites do. Um, since some government, including the United Kingdom, are regulating adult content online, launching a VPN service by Pornhub makes sense. How we use your information, and it goes to here on things like aggregate anonymous, de-identified information sharing, aggregate or non-personal identified information, if not, I'll put the third parties for advertising marketing purposes. However, we do not share your personal information with any third parties for their own marketing and advertising research purposes. But if Pornhub it does what they usually do, they don't really like ask for your too much of your personal information. And pretty much they've been very open, especially with using they've gone to their cryptocurrency and being anonymous that you can have all kinds of dealings and pay for things through Pornhub and never really give them your real name. So Pornhub don't care. The problem is, is that what happens when a government agency comes with a search warrant? Comes up to Pornhub. Well, granted, like I said, they do have fu money, but if they're inside the United States, they are holding that information Mm -hmm. for personal, you know, for their use. So I think that that might end up, they might end up having to cough it up. If you, they're not completely making it so it's impossible. 
Well, because of the well, with the Patriot Act, if your server's inside the United States, you have to give up the information and not say anything. So hopefully, when this all gets set up, hopefully, Pornhub sets up a nice warrant canary. What I'm saying is, is that you know, Apple's fighting around that by making it physically, technically impossible, mm-hmm. right? So they're putting hard blocks in the recoverability, and that's how you get around a lot of these uh, recovery laws or, or search warrants is if you can say the technology we have in place pre- prevents us from getting to that information and providing it for you, then you're not on the hook. Yeah. Yep, and I think maybe they'll do something like that, but who knows. Um, Jackie Zombie writes in, they did it with the DNA places and the license plate readers. Um, what do you mean by license? The license plate. Well, oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what they're probably going to end up doing. Hopefully, they'll put some block on it. But who knows? Um, but just like all other VPNs stuff like that, when they store the VPN, that means they have all your internet traffic and traffic in your home IP address. So understand that when you go to a VPN service, you're basically giving them all your information that you feed to that tunnel. VPN Hub is available in countries across the globe except for Burma, Myanmar, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Sudan, and Syria due to the ban imposed by the U.S. government. While mobile users, both iOS and Android, can download and use the VPN app for free, desktop user, Mac OS, and Windows have to purchase a premium account. You can also upgrade to your free, your free account to a premium subscription for a $13 a month or $90 for a full year, which eliminates ads, provides faster connection speeds, and open up servers with a wide range of countries. And you can give VPN a try by using a 7-day free trial. Awesome! So, yeah. You know, so... Here's a VPN service. You're looking for a good VPN. I'm, I'm still going to keep and roll my own, but I think I might end up using just for test purposes. I think we may have to download it on the We Libertarians um, test Android device and uh, try it out. You know, go on there, look up a couple of uh, stepsister stuff to ensure that this, um, you know, to run some tests on it. Cities employ companies to read plates through cams for specific purposes. Indeed does it. That's correct. I, Indy and um, New Hampshire and some other states that do not let you use the like the automatic plate scan readers. Yeah, there's a lot of places that do not allow it. Which, you know, it would be different if the plate scanners and readers and stuff like that that it, they would do it to one make it a better beneficial. Like, all right, I don't think cops should pull people over for speeding, but or other moving violations, but. It'd be a lot easier if they didn't waste my freaking time and just scanned it and then sent me a letter in the mail. And we both aren't sitting in the rain and wasting our time. But they don't do it that way. They do it to hunt other things down or just find people who they just mostly use the plate scanners to find people who hasn't, you know, paid their taxes. The license plate is on the wrong car because they put, you know, people move plates around and they go after poor people. So that's what they mostly use the plate scanners for and every other freaking thing. They try to say it's for, oh, we're going to find it for these other reasons. It's bullcrap. It's BS. They mostly use it to, to abuse other people. Any other thoughts on the uh, VPN hub or any other VPN s- stuff? Marlon? Nope. Okay. And another thing we're going to talk about, we're going to move up the tech stuff. Uh, um, we're going to talk about a, 
the country that is one uh, just got done, another country that just got done with their incredibly free elections. You know, Nicolas Maduro won, won a new six-year democratically won a new six-year term on Sunday. Zach, did you hear about that? I did hear about that. Yeah, I'm sure it was a the very f- support that he's got from those people. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back in with such a high margin, right? You know, they must have faith in Maduro, especially after the little bird talked to him. <laughs> Caracas, Venezuela. There's, hmm? there's another picture you need to show, other than this one that's in this article. We can talk about it after you're done. Oh, what? What was the other one down here? What are you talking about? It, it's a uh, stone posted it earlier. Oh, is it the Discord? Yeah. Oh man, I have to go. Oh, mm, 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 now I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look it up. <laughs> All right, go ahead and like find the photo and at me at it, and uh, or next to it, so I can, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring it up. Victory for the, uh, sorry, uh, Venezuela's leftist leader Nicolas Maduro won a new, uh, new six-year term on Sunday, but his main rivals disavow the election, alleging massive irregularities in a process critics decried as a farce propping up a dictatorship. Oh, it's a uh, towboat and to- it's towboaters. Welcome. Let's see. Oh, and Jackie said, uh, Hersey's got them and already got them in trouble for abusing them but go on yes yes they do yeah yeah that's all they do they just abuse them just abuse them um so nicholas Maduro, the right-hand man of um hugo chavez who took over um this democratic election victory for the 55 year old former bus driver who replaced hugo chavez after his death from cancer in 2013 may trigger a new round of western sanction against the socialist government as it grapples with his uh, ruinous economic crisis. Oh, these voters come around front and have no problems to call it socialist. Thank you, uh, Luke Cohen and Andrew Napone. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Just come out and say it. Say what it really is. U.S. President Donald Trump administration is threatening moves against Venezuela's already reeling oil sector. Venezuela's election board, run by Maduro loyalists, said he took 5.8 5.8 million votes versus 1.8 million from his closest challenger, Henry Falcone, a former governor who broke with opposition boycott to stand. They underestimate me, Maduro told cheering supporters on stage outside Flores Presidential Palace in, in downtown Caracas as fireworks sounded and confetti fell in the crowd. Turned out the election was just 40, 46.1%, and the election board said way down from the 80% registered at the last presidential vote in 2013. The opposition said that the figure was in, in inflated, putting participation at near 30%. How cool to get that U.S. participation vote. An election board source told Reuters 32.3% of eligible voters cast ballots by 6 p.m. as most polls shut. The process undoubtedly lacked legitimacy. As such, we do not recognize it, said Falcone, a 56-year-old former state governor looking downcast. Maduro had welcomed Falcone's candidacy, which gave some legitimacy to a process critics at home and around the world have condemned in advance as a coronation of a dictator. Falcone's quick rejection of Sunday's election and a call for a new vote was therefore a blow to the government strategy. Falcone, a former member of the Socialist Party who went over to the opposition in 2010, said he was outraged at the government's placing of nearly 13,000 pro-government stands called red spots close to polling stations nationwide. All right, so these red spots, 
in um, in Venezuela is the place you would go. It's so it's in a socialist dictatorship. It's socially dictatorship. I'm not going to say that it's democratic, that it's socialism. It's freaking dictatorship. The red spots is what they use for to give out government aid and assistance. So you can go there, you can vote, prove that you voted for Maduro, and hey, we're gonna give you some food. We're gonna get some food, some extra cash, and then you want some, you know, considering, you know, so mainly poor Venezuelans were asked to scan state-issued fatherland cards at red tents after voting in hope of receiving a prize promised by Maduro, which opponents said were akin to vote buying. It's not a kin, it's vote buying. The fatherland cards are required to receive benefits, including food boxes and money transfers. A third presidential candidate, uh, evangelical pastor Javier followed Falcone in slamming irregularities during Sunday's vote and calling for a new election. Despite his unpopularity over a national economic meltdown, Maduro benefited on Sunday not just from the opposition boycott, but also from a ban on his two most popular rivals and the liberal use of state resources in his campaign. His tally, however, fell short of the 10 million votes he had said throughout the campaign, and he wanted to win. So, yeah, so I, I think, you know, what what's not fair about that? They're using, you know, he put... <laughs> So the starving Venezuelans, you know, you get food if you voted for Maduro and money. So, yeah, let's vote by. Um, any, uh, uh, you have any thoughts on that, um, Ryan, before I keep going? He's helping the poor. I mean, I don't understand what the problem is. If he's feeding the poor people, that's a good thing, right? I mean, this is what uh, Saddam Hussein did and, you know, to get his 90% re-election rate right so mm -hmm. when are we going to attack venezuela <laughs> they do have oil <laughs> i mean they, do. they may need some freedom later <laughs> good old venezuela like i always like talking about venezuela stuff because in my original podcast that really got me to podcasting the independence bell we used to make fun and talk about Venezuela all the time. So, like, watching it go downhill and only people's like, it's not a true socialist um, um, economy. I claim bullcrap. I have watched well, this thing. Since, especially hmm? since they were touting as such when it first when he first took over and right. nationalized everything. And people like Bernie Sanders and all the progressives were claiming it to be the great miracle. We're going mm -hmm. to see how great socialism it is. Go watch Venezuela. We hmm. did. And we saw what happened. Yep. 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 We saw what happened. We watched them continue to keep, like, we, we, we were watching, like, you could tell in 20, uh, 2008, 2010, like, it was start, damn was going because they kept raising the minimum wage. They kept raising it. They kept raising it. Every other year, they kept raising it. Maduro would fire competent people on air that were working in the companies. Like, hey, you know, you know, we, we need to put, money back in the infrastructure of this oil thing we can't keep taking money out you know which is like which a lot of people don't like whoa the do the, the the oil price fell that's where they lost all their money no 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 there's a lot of different places that are still doing okay even the the cost cost of oil has dropped i just see saudi arabia floundering around and having people not eat and everything else right the reason they did is because they fired the competent people and they you know, in the executive branch of their oil refineries, they weren't putting money back into the company. They were just pulling out. So they weren't, um, 
making sure the refineries were up to snuff, the transportation machines, that the boats, basically, of bringing to the U.S. or other marketplace. And also, Hugo Chavez kept being antagonistic to the United States government, the biggest, one of the bigger buyers of oil. So, are you tell, are you telling me that socialists don't understand basic economics? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I think I, I don't know how to say that other than um, they have no idea how to do, do with money or business. So, in the, the writing was on the wall, especially when uh, after Hugo Chavez died and, people, and the dust was settling, people found out that his daughter was the richest person in the country somehow, randomly in the socialist country. By the way, she got out. She's out. She just, she doesn't live in Venezuela anymore. Yeah, I'd say the president seems to be look, living pretty good. As, oh, as, uh, evidenced by that post I just. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Getting that Maduro diet. He's on that Maduro. Mm. Spare banana there. <laughs> Maduro, the self-described son of Chavez, says he is badly an imperialist plot to crush socialism and take over Venezuela's oil. Really, really. Yeah, what's the evidence of that again? Oh, there is none. That's right. Like read, you, read that. Yeah, yeah. This is like you guys did. So Maduro, the self-described son of Chavez, says he is battling an imperialist plot to crush socialism and take over Venezuela's oil. So, like when you installed your own government full of Maduro loyalists to ignore the other government that didn't want you there. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's that's some. Um, that doesn't work. We did that. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. You know, I'm, which I'm sure like the CIA is probably just right now just putting up a, a pamphlet and paper like, hey, 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 this this government fell. We didn't do anything this time. Well, the is, they're probably sitting around going, oh, got all these plans in place to take him down. They're looking at each other going, eh, let him be, I guess. Let him alone. Let him better job. It's just like libertarians when they run for office and mm-hmm. – they all turn on their own presidential candidate. The other, the other candidates don't have to do anything. They just let them take care of themselves and destroy themselves from within. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about it. Just let them be. You think that's why Trump never went after Gary Johnson? He's like, whoa, was like, whoa, 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 leave them alone. They'll go after themselves. You watch, just watch. They'll attack themselves. Leave them alone. Untouchable. You know, I always love your post when you post this. Like, why would they? You know, why would this? Awesome republic, you know, off, 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 awesome candidate come to the Republican Party after seeing what happened to Weld. I was like, wow, that's powerful and scary at the same time. Why would anyone? Somebody, somebody asked me uh, yesterday about because Jeff Jeff Flake uh, put out this this speech uh, talking about Trump and the and the the pit and the spirit mm-hmm. and everything else that's going on with it. And somebody said we should try to get him to come over to the Libertarian Party. You think he'd come? And I said. Uh, why would he after what we did to Gary Johnson and Bill Weld? Right, right, and and some certain people continue to do to Bill Weld, even though he's not running for any office. He's just kind of being he's a part for office, and everybody's like, "We don't want to run it." I'm like, "He's yeah, I haven't seen him announce he's running anything. Why don't you leave him alone for five minutes and let him do his thing?" Right. He's 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 uh, endorsing libertarian candidates. He's raising money for libertarians. Um, mm-hmm. Why are you complaining about that again? I know. If anything, it looks like he's running for chair eventually, like he wants to be chairman, or you know, if anything, that's the only thing it looks like to me, like he's going for, he wants to be chair, but no power, you know, but, you know. No, I think he's more like that he's just going to be the, 
Well, and Ed Crane did run and run share, but he's he's kind of trying to be the new Ed Crane, I think. Ooh, that'd be good. That'd be good. All right, so fighting uh, back to this thing. Attendance appeared thin in many. Oh, oh, get it. Can you turn up Reinhold? Oh, there was his Reinhold's quiet. I, I had a little problem with my uh, system as we talked about. So my settings on some of my stuff is a little off. I apologize for that. <laughs> Jackie's up. Get that tomorrow. <laughs> Jackie goes well for chair. <laughs> I think he'd be a good chair, to be honest with you, because he does he, he'd be able to do what the chair's function is supposed to be. Yeah. People people think the chair, and, and if you listen to Wall last night, you'll hear us talking about what the chair is supposed to be doing and what the chair is not supposed to be doing. And uh, I think it would probably be a good place for him because it is the least important, most, the most least important position in the, the Libertarian Party. You run meetings and you wrangle cats. That's really all you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which be perfect. Perfect for him. Um, I'm hungry and I don't have a job. I'm sticking to Maduro, said Carlos Racones, 49, in the once thriving industrial city of Valencia, accusing right-wing business owners of purposely hiding food and hiking prices. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Hiding food <laughs> on the making sure you stick to a good, healthy Maduro diet. Many Ven Venezuelans are disillusioned and angry over the election. They criticize Maduro for economic hardships and the opposition for his dysfunctional splits. Reeling from a fifth year of recession, falling oil production, and U.S. sanctions, Venezuela is seeing growing levels of malnutrition and hyperinflation and mass emigration. So basically, people are leaving in mass. Um, hyperinflation is there, like, the, uh, I think they put their inflation at, you know, it's worth less than, you know, wow gold, so, and malnutrition, like I said, the Maduro diet, uh, a lot of things to, um, Luke Verdowski did a great video when he was down there, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's Luke Verdowski, whatever, uh, his videos, him down in Venezuela over, was two years ago, is just shocking, the video that he took two years ago in Venezuela, so regardless of how you feel about Luke Verdowski, the video show, you know, just watch the video. You can put it on mute. Just watch what's going on. So we, what we need to do is somebody needs to make a meme and show one of these nice, one of the nice newer cities in Somalia that are starting to, you know, really do well mm -hmm. and then show Venezuela and say, okay, you say that libertarianism is like Venezuela. What's socialism like again? Then show the Venezuela thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Somalia is a libertarian country. I know, I know. I'm just saying that's what they say. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, go to Somalia. They, they same excuses. Yeah. You know, well, you know, Venezuela is not a socialist country. Well, you're saying that Somalia is a libertarian. I mean, come on. It's, yeah, because Somalia 2018 looks nice. Socialist and yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could look like I just like you put in. Yeah, I just Google image search of Somalia 2018. I was like, wow, they're building stuff. Wow, naked money. <laughs> Anyways, back to uh, Maduro's. The m m m Maduro. Uh, but streets were calm with children playing soccer on one road. And, uh, oh, sorry. Venezuelan migrants staged small anti Maduro protests in cities from Madrid to Miami and the highland city of 
San Cristobal near Colombia. Three clo uh, cloth dolls representing widely loathed officials, electrical, uh, uh, electoral council head Tisbe Lucy and Lucy, uh, sources part number two, Dislado Cabello and Vice President Tarek El Asami were hung from, from uh, a footbridge. So, hung them in effigy. But streets were calm with the children playing soccer on one road in San Cristobal blocked off a past election to accommodate long voter lines. For many Venezuelans, Sunday was a day to look for scant food or stock up on water, which is increasingly running short because of year of underinvestment. I'm not voting. What's the point if we already know the result? I prefer to come here to get water rather than waste my time, said Raul Sanchez, filling a jug from a tap by a busy road in the arid northwestern city of Punto Fijo because his community has not had running water for 26 days. With the election behind him, Maduro may choose to deepen a purge of critics within the ruling Chavism movement. He faces Herculean tasks to turn around the moribund economy from with the Bolivar currency down 99% in the past year and inflation at an annual 14,000% according to the National Assembly. 14 thousand percent like i said like it's ridiculous to watch the inflation of this place because like you've just been watching it just go down and i remember like reading an article um was it, like four years ago talking about how people were coming there on boats and it was easier for them to spend currency of toilet paper from their boats like they would just show up a toilet paper and would use that you know it was the toilet paper was like gold to some of these people but it's a, it's all in their own making. Uh, a lot of people who like especially John Oliver or people who do start talking about like it's not a socialist country, but they kind of ignore the socialist moves that they did, like increasing the they try to take over the Coca Cola plant there too. But Coke said screw you and pulled out. Toilet. It hmm? took over the toilet paper plant. Yeah, the toilet paper plant. They took that over. And the company pulled out. Uh, all kinds of companies, like especially the U.S. company, they just like, you know what? Screw you. Cut our losses and just write everything off and pull everything out of there. Like, um, well, Coca-Cola saw the writing in the wall and they pulled everything out early and was just basically making water. They were just doing water there. They were making water. They were filling up the last cans of just selling water. They were literally just filtering and selling water. <laughs> Coke plate. Like, it's like, screw you, we're out, we're out, we're bit out, we're going to just use the rest of the stock here to, you know, to sell and make stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and it, check out that, check out that picture I shared. Oh, hold on. I know you showed it a minute ago, but you didn't even read what it says. Oh, what, the, with the, uh, with the, of the Maduro diet food? Yeah. I see. Uh, I'm sorry, but I've been laughing at this for 10 minutes. Venezuela president, already mocked for gaining weight amid a hunger crisis, pulls out an empanada from his desk during a live TV address. <laughs> during a live TV address, he reaches down and grabs an uh, empanada and he... Mm, 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 mm. That's just like, I don't care. Screw y'all. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> Just, I mean, the funny thing is, is that's not even a made-up joke that happened. Eat my empanadas. Oh man, it just had a snack. So, yeah, that's the other thing. Is like, 
it's one thing to go through a hunger crisis and to gain weight. That's that's also ridiculous. Uh, he didn't even have the self control to even make it look like he was suffering. Like he could have just like not ate too, or just kept enough of him and was like, "Look, I am losing weight too. These businesses are doing this to me." But no, he's clearly he has the money that he's siphoning off other companies or other things that he's doing to continue to make himself rich, gain money. So yeah, good job, Adoro. Show us why socialism is bad, and any and don't try to argue with socialists about how like you go blue in the face trying to show them that you know this is a socialist country, this is what happened, but they'll just talk about oh they're mismanaging things. Okay, but government plus time equals mismanagement. Show us, show us one time where a government didn't mismanage everything. Just one, one time, one time, one to one time. Also, please show me the capitalist <laughs> destruction dictatorship. I want to see the capitalist dictator. I just please. I want to see the capitalist famine. I want to see the capitalist uh, the dictatorship. The best thing they do is sh- is talk about the Baron ro- robber barons, and it's like, yeah, but no one had to do that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Everybody could have turned around to the robber barons and said, "Fuck you, we're not buying your stuff anymore," and but they the- couldn't do anything. They can't make you buy their stuff. Right? The government can make you like. I was listening to an interview with Ed Crane. And he was pointing this out. He's like, you know, w- with capitalism, if Ford spends millions of dollars trying to get you to buy their cars or their j- trucks, we can all collectively just turn around and say, no, fuck you. But if the government tells you that you have to buy their trucks, then you have to go buy their trucks or you're going to go to jail. All right. So I just put a Mises article on. So so please bear with me. Please calm down. Calm down, everybody. But the reverence to Mises. <laughs> The truth about the robber barons. <laughs> free market capitalism is a network of free. Uh, so basically, the late 19th and early 20th centuries are often referred to as a time of the robber barons. It is a staple of history books to attach this derogatory phase, phrase to such figures as John D. Rockefeller, Cornelius Vanderbilt, and the great 19th century railroad operators. Grenville Dodge, Leland Stanford, Henry Veller, James J. Hill, and others. To most historians writing on this period, these entrepreneurs committed thinly veiled acts of larceny larceny to enrich themselves at the expense of their customer. Once again, we see the image of greedy, exploitative capitalists, but in many cases, this is a distortion of the truth. As common as it is to speak of robber barons, most use the term as confused about the role of capitalism in the American economy and fail to make an important distinction. The distinction between what might be called called a market entrepreneur and a political entrepreneur, a pure market entrepreneur, or a capitalist succeeds financially by selling a newer, better, or less expensive product on the free market without any government subsidies, direct or indirect. The key to his success as a capitalist is his ability to please the consumer, for in a capitalist society, the consumer ultimately calls the economic shots. By contrast, a political entrepreneur succeeds primarily by influencing government to subsidize his business or industry or to enact legislation or regulation that harms his competitors. So, that's why it wouldn't take so there was a So, there was a great... Um, like mini documentary series by the History Channel a few years back called The Men That Built America. Okay. And it focused on how the Industrial Revolution and everything turned over and made America basically 
from a more agrarian society to a, a much more service-oriented and industrialized society. These robber barons were the ones who did that, and, and this series focused on what they did to help make America what it is uh, by what by by what they did, right? So Henry Ford, uh, Rockefeller, those guys. Um, and it talks about how much uh, they ended up giving back to the, to the country uh, after they made their money, right? Mm-hmm. Rockefeller Center, all the all the money he put into the arts and everything else to help all of that stuff. They they all put money back in to the society once they made it, just like Bill Gates has been doing. He's made all his money. Now he's out there trying to save things and do th- good things with it, do good works with it. Right. And that's what that can ha- that can happen because of that. If this was all government run, you would not have that. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, as we become more and more and more centrally regulated and managed as a, as a, a society, the more people start noticing that the country has been stagnating over the past several decades. Mm-hmm. Somebody might want to say that there might be a, a, uh, a it, there might be something there, right? So there might be a reason why we're stagnating as we're more centrally managing everything. Right. Yep. Try and keep everything I mean, centralized. In just one. look at the internet. The internet grew and exploded and got big, had a little bit of a crash, came back, got big, got big, all because there was no regulations on it. Then we started putting more regulations on it and trying to do all that neutrality and everything else. And now we're stuck with uh, everybody having monopolized internet connectivity, people getting charged a little bit too much for it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. not getting a good service. Nobody likes their internet service providers for the most part. And why is that? Because it's it's monopolized from the government, regulating all the stuff that's preventing competition, it's preventing good people to come in and, and give better services for a lesser price. And that's what we get for it. And the response from all these people is to have more regulation to make it right. Right. It's not how it works, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, but if you take these regs off, everything's going to go bad. And it's like, based on what? Based on what the hypothetical? Based on the first thirty years of the internet that were in great, nobody right. had any complaints at all. Right, right. You know, all these dial-ups, like dial-up service was getting super cheap there for a bit. <laughs> that was the reason because you because with a dial-up you could have any ISP you wanted. It didn't matter where you lived. You could say oh, this ISP is just horrible. I don't like it anymore. I'm gonna go try this other one. Mm-hmm. And people would go to the one that had a little bit cheaper or who who gave a better service, so they pay a little bit more for it. So everybody had their own little thing that they wanted. And they all got served the way they wanted to be served, and everybody was happy and great. Mm-hmm. Right now, mm-hmm. everybody has to use Comcast, and they're complaining about it because Comcast is like, eh, we don't care. What are you gonna do? You can't go anywhere else. Right. Yeah, what are you going to do? Go to DSL? <laughs> you know, they use the uh, use your satellite for that. <laughs> you know, that's like the, like, hopefully, you know, you, you want to give hope to, like, the 5G access. You know, maybe it'll open up to a lot more, like, wireless, you know, tower um, internet access, mm-hmm. possibly. We don't know. But the FCC is going to be put their finger on anything, you know, on things like that. They put their finger. They, they well, they're already finger. they're already putting five G in other countries, mm-hmm. but they're they're not letting it roll out here yet. Right. 
Yeah, I wonder what's going on there. All the regulations, the governments get involved in blocking all of it. People would be putting the stuff up already if they were allowed to. Yeah, well, that's just the same thing with the FAA. They block a lot of the drone for commercial use. And other in every country besides the United States, a lot of companies use drone for delivery, surveillance, surveillance to sell properties, to take photos, all kinds of different things. Your drones are being used. In the, the people who are using drones are well far beyond what it is used in the United States because of the FAA. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. It's the worst. That's why like drones got really, really big here and kind of tapered out. And was like, oh, drones are stupid now. I'm like, no. Everywhere else but the United States, drones are still big. They're still being used for things. <sighs> Good old government. But like when when even when the FAA was trying to get people to register their drones, I laughed at it. I laughed at it. Because you could watch drone video in no-fly zones, legit no-fly zones. Washington, D.C. is a complete and total no-fly zone. There's drones flying everywhere through D.C. If you can't stop it in D.C. and this massive no-fly zone, how the heck are you going to enforce some FAA tail uh, letter uh, regulation on my drone here mainly in America. You can't unless I get snitched upon. So screw you. <sighs> but let's go. As, as common as to speak of the robber barons, most of you, uh, sorry, in the mousetrap industry, for interest, for instance, you can be a market entrepreneur by making a better mousetrap and thereby convincing consumers to buy more of your mousetraps and less of your competitors. Or you can lobby Congress to prohibit the importation of all foreign-made mousetraps. In the former situation, the consumer voluntarily hands over his money for the superior mousetrap. In the latter case, the consumer, not given anything better in return, pays more for existing mousetraps just because the import quota has reduced supply and therefore driven up prices. The American economy has always included a mix of market and political entrepreneurs, self-made men and women, as well as political uh, connivers and manipulators, and sometimes people who have achieved success as market entrepreneurs in one period of their lives later become political entrepreneurs by the distinction between the two is critical to make. Elon Musk. For market entrepreneurs, is a hallmark of genuine capitalism, whereas political entrepreneurship is not. It's neo-mercantilism. Mercantilism. Sorry. I'll try. Didn't get a drink. Sorry. In some cases, of course, the entrepreneurs commonly labeled robber bands did indeed profit from exploiting American cons uh, customers, but these are not market entrepreneurs. For example, Leland Stanford, a former governor and U.S. senator from California, used his political connections to have the state pass law prohibiting competition for Central Pacific Railroad, and he and his business partners profited from this monopoly scheme. Unfortunately, the resentment that this naturally generated among the public was unfairly directed at other entrepreneurs who succeeded in the railroad industry without political interference that tilted the playing field in their direction, thanks to historians who failed to or refused to make this crucial distinction. Many Americans have an inaccurate view of American capitalism. Ta-da! It's the same thing with California water supply. The biggest problem is, ta-da! You know, people using the government to make sure they can't have to charge the same price for water. So basically, California's biggest problem with water is capital is not as lack of capitalism, not because of it. Because capitalism is all it does. It's all it does in its base 
pure form is manage scarce resources that have other uses. So it does. That's best. That's all it really does. You boil it down. That's all it really does. How to build a railroad. Most business historians have assumed that tra transcontinental railroads have never been built without government subsidies, which is bullcrap. The free market would have failed to provide the adequate capital, or so the theory asserts. The evidence for this theory is that the Union Pacific and Central Pacific Railroads, which were completed in the years after the war between the states, received per-mile subsidies from the federal government in the form of low-interest loans as well as massive land grants. But there is no need to be cause and effect here. The subsidies were not needed to cause a trans Transcontinental railroads to be built. We know this because just as many roads and canals were privately financed in the early 19th century, a market entrepreneur built his own transcontinental railroad. James J. Hill built the Great North Railroad without any government aid, and even the right of way through hundreds of miles of public lands, paid uh, being paid for in cash, as Hill himself stated. Quite naturally, Hill strongly opposed government favors to the competitors. The government should not furnish capital to these companies, in addition to the enormous land subsidies to enable them to conduct their business and competition with enterprises that has received no aid from the public treasury. He wrote, this may sound quaint by today's standards, but it was still a ho hotly debated issue in the late 19th century. So boom, 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 boom. Like I said, it's a great article, great read-up on the myth of robber barons um, and the whole like misuse and mis like misdirection of everything of the, um, you know, like of how like uh, you know early capitalism is it's because most people don't want to do the reviews, most people don't want to read the thing or see what was going heck is going on, and you know they just want to like say robber barons and move on. They don't want to have this outright discussion on like okay let's what really happened let's look at the roads just like the idea that um when i talk to people here you know here in indianapolis about um uh, public transportation it's like well what if indianapolis got out of the public transportation business and we allowed a private business no subsidies nothing to do this we just get out of the way all that no one would do that no one would do that i'm like well that's not necessarily because a lot of companies need people from different areas to come work for them. So a lot of companies have no issue building that, but just like the a lot of companies went in and paid for and built the um, subway system in New York, and to, and the New York City government, the state government, seized the, the New York subway si uh, system. So sorry, ran on. I've been talking for a bit. You want to say anything? No, just uh. Who who built the railroads? Does anybody remember that? <laughs> Who's going to build my railroads? The railroads were built by uh, capitalists and mm -hmm. companies, not the government. And it opened up the country, and it was a successful boon to the to uh, lots of industries and movement of people around the country. And it was not, you know, subsidized by the 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 government. There were some things that the government did to kind of help it along once it started. Um, they gave occasional loans, but uh, there were certain, there was very many strong terms on paying it back really quickly. It wasn't like they were just giving out money. And they helped acquire a few properties as needed or just assigned the properties to the, to the people who were buying it properly. But that's really all they did. The work was done, the planning was done, all that stuff was done by the, the companies. Yep. So when there's a need, 
you know, there was, there was a meme that came out the other day where like 14,000 Iowans back in the early 1900s got together and one day built a road across the strait. So the farmers got together, they decided they need a road built, they got it planned. And one day they just went out and, and used their own equipment and they built a road across the state. Nice. Nice. Where was the government there? It wasn't. It was just all organized by themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Buying land and doing themselves. Hi, Cam Blue. Or Blev. Is that Cam Blev? Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Welcome. Well, welcome to the stream. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, people coming together and doing things and getting things built. Um, but just like the article states, like a lot of people did use scrupulous methods to get the government involved to either price other people out or use eminent domain to buy things. And it's, that practice has still continued on, um, just like the prison has done. They use eminent domain to purchase things um, or to move things. The red line thing they're doing for the public transportation here in, you know, here in Indianapolis, they've used some, um, they've used the government force to go through and buy the property that they nece- that they need necessarily put in this red line that hardly anybody really wants in those areas. It's you know, so it's I public transportation and the railroad like the the railroad system would have benefited in, and 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 it's probably would have been more profitable than what it is, but the biggest problem with it is that, you know, a superior mode of trans- transportation took uh, took place. Um, planes came came in and tried, you know, took a lot of their profit margin away. But for large, heavy transport, trains are perfect for that. So that's what most trains do now. They just move very heavy transit. But we also have trucks to go in different spots. It's this weird like network of things that are going on. But for some reason, some people still like to use this old public transportation model for major cities and just like to look to other cities. They're like, oh, this is why we need public transportation because Chicago, New York City, San Francisco all have all these public transportation work, but Indy doesn't. I'm like, but, you know, it's, um, it's a di- different. Also, Indy's, Indy's a little bit different because those cities they're talking about are butted up against large bodies of water. So mm-hmm. they can't really expand very much. They have to kind of build on top of themselves way more than Indy does or Dallas does or Houston does. Mm-hmm. You don't see this stuff in Dallas and Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause yeah, cause we could just keep expanding out. You just keep going out further, out further, out just further. Put out. Better roads and people have cars and why do they mm-hmm. need that for? Right. Yeah. And they could just buy better cars, just buy a car, which is the ultimate, you know, transportation tool because you can choose when you want to leave, when you want to go, and where you decide to go, so to be in like limited to a schedule. Now, granted, there are some cool public transportation work. I've been looking at the Korean, um, South Korea, sorry, South Korean model of um, tra- uh, bus station, like their 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 bus system, and it's phenomenal. Um, it's very high tech. Um, the idea that they've got all these buses running all the different times to different stations. They don't, and every bus does go to each station, and that you have to. You basically have to push a button to let the bus know that there's someone waiting at the station, so they're known to even stop there or go there. So it's it's really neat. Um, I, I doubt it would work in the United States because we have we probably way too many trolls for something like that. Because I'm sure there's probably somebody that will ride around at stations and push buttons because trolls be trolls. So uh, that's all the articles I really wanted to talk about today. Does everybody have anything else? 
Anything anybody want to bring up here on Loki? Once? Not really. I mean, I'm just, uh, it's been a long day, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. It has been a long day. Um, Gunther has kept me up. Uh, apparently, she decided to get up at 2.30 and talk to herself in front of the camera and play. It was like she was doing a show with like a stuffed animal in front of the camera all night and then fell back to sleep. Uh, Cam Blue's like, I don't know if there's a protocol, but Korea is the size of Texas. Yeah, okay. Um, but public transportation in the U.S. is difficult because it's so low. Yes, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's no, that's what we're saying, yeah. Pu uh, public transportation here in the United States is difficult because it's so large and expensive. So, like, the best case scenario is a... You know, a private solution that people just that we automatically have as opposed to we don't see that as a solution is you buy your own car or you Uber, you use a taxi to get somewhere, or you buy your own your own transportation because public transportation of get picking people up from one destination and moving barely works. Like planes work just because they have a monopoly on that type of thing. The well, Elon Musk, so much, but hmm? it's not even it's not a government run thing though. Those are private companies. Right, yeah. Fulfilling the needs. So you've got several different airlines doing different ways of doing it, different costs for doing it. So mm -hmm. so there's going to be competition here. So it's always going to be the best deal because mm -hmm. they have that competition. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's what you're saying there. But I would mostly say, like, the they have monopoly on the, the flight. They control which companies are flying and which airports you can fly from and licensing for flight. Uh, really, I don't – so the federal government has – kind of they don't really have a lot of say in that i mean they they do they could have but they, they back off a lot of that so if a if a, a airline doesn't want to fly to a city they don't they don't set flights to that city they can't really be made to you know so all that stuff is still pretty much run by the companies now the the governments own a lot of the airports so right. that's, that's where they get into it. But. Right. What I'm just saying is that uh, for personal flight, like if uh, Reinhold wanted to build his airplane and Reinhold wanted to fly out of his driveway. Yeah, I can do that. There's a place, uh, somebody built a little airport maybe about a mile from me yeah. where the local farmers do crop dusting and have their own planes and ultralights. That's mm -hmm. yeah, not any, the government has had nothing to do with any of that. No, they don't. Uh, other than, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just talking about they, they just, they put barriers up and the barriers a little harder than flying a car. Um, let's see, I got something like public transportation in the U.S., uh, let's see, Elon Musk Hyper Super Tube, there is a state and federal subsidies. The, um, when it comes to the Elon Musk Hyper Lift Tube thing, um, if he gets it off, this old idea off, more power to him, but to me, it just looks like it. It's look like it's never going to work. It just looks like a money pit to me. Um, I prefer him just working on SpaceX stuff. Is that like the the hybrid plane train thing? Yeah, the yeah the the hyper the tube thing. The the I'm going to put people in a vacuum tube and shoot them at like 400 miles per hour in a in a, in a direction. A tow boater said, "You do have to have home-built planes inspected. That's true, but they have to do yeah, cars. I mean, there's some blocks and stuff in there. But uh, for this tube thing, I mean, why don't you just put a large hadron collider across the country and then stick people in the little boxes and send them across that with the magnets? 
I don't know. They could um, just uh, that's what people try to like high speed like travel between areas. It's like, well, we we already have devices that allow us to travel at high rates of speed in between areas. They're called cars. Um, yeah, and planes are very high speed. Yeah, and how do you really want to go faster than what a plane is going right now? I mean, at some point you start introducing g-forces and trauma to humans you don't want to go too fast yeah and um and, and be in a vacuum too but Camblev, it's um it's very loose format um this a loki wall is for a it's a fan show for a podcast so it's just more of like a hangout it's very casual so if you want to say something just put it in the chat and it's perfectly okay um you know, it's more of a hangout. We want to talk to you. Like, it's not like more of a, it's kind of a, I put it in the talk show category because it's mostly us doing a talk show. It feels more like a talk show than an IRL stream. But, you know, because I want to put IRL because, you know, usually people here on the thing I'm chatting to and doing doing like a talk show too. So it's, so it's like a Bix hybrid. But it's yeah, more we're not cooking or painting anything or anything like that. I could be. Maybe we should do that. Maybe I should like do the next low key wall in the kitchen and cook something up while I'm doing this. Of course, I'd probably end up stopping halfway between and eating. But the but you, you know, should like, have streamed. You should have streamed your ribs last week. Ooh, yeah, that would have been good. I should have did that and made all you guys hungry. Yeah. Of course, like I remember when I was doing that, and my mom sees the post and she's just like, "You didn't share them any of our pepper." I'm like, "No, I didn't give them any of that." They don't have any of that. I didn't, I used all the ingredients that was in his fridge. I didn't go out and get anything else. But anyways, the but because like um and like we said on the like last week's show, like even the the cafe stands for cars are different than SUVs. But people keep buying these massive SUVs, which don't really travel at high rates of speed very well. But they can. Like SUVs can go up to 100 miles per hour. I don't recommend it. They're gigantic blocks. They move a lot of air. They get kind of shaky at that high speeds versus like a car or a sports car. You know, my, uh, my sports car can easily do, can stay at 100 miles per hour and do it for hours. Just stay at it and just go at it perfectly fine. There's no issue with it whatsoever. It's very, it's, it's designed to do that. So the road system forcing me to stay under 55 65 or 70 you're just hindering my car and the technology in it that i can travel at a high rate of speed so if i wanted so it's like oh but with these things you can work in chicago if i could travel at 100 plus miles per hour on i-65 up to chicago i could work in chicago i can eat that's an easy commute then if i could just floor you know and you know take off at 150 miles per hour you know i could do it um, let's keep it. Hey, I ran in through. Uh, I ran through wall. Love the last one, by the way, Reinhold. Uh, I'm big into crypto, and I like Vibbert because he works for Pat, and I am for West Virginia. Oh, okay. Whoa, man. A Vibbert, another Vibbert fan. Everybody loves a Vibbert. <laughs> thanks, Cam. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, thanks, Camblev. Or I hope I'm pronouncing. It. I don't know if it's Camblev. Um. Camblev, are you on the? Um, you're in. Are you in our Discord channel? We do have a Discord. I don't think I have a Discord bot on this thing to, to like bot it out. I really should improve that a little bit better. At least, yeah, at least put a link in there. I'm grabbing the link, dropping the Discord link. Did it? So if you'd like, you can go ahead. Uh, I just joined actually today. 
Noromac. Okay, okay. Alrighty, that's cool. Yeah, welcome to the Discord. Look around, poke things around, ask questions. Like I said, very loose format. We're like a lot of different uh, podcasts, like a lot of the rigid rules. We, I don't like it. I just want more, just have conversations between people and have that more community feel, you know? And then thanks for your comment about last night. I was kind of concerned or curious how that uh, that episode would have gone over. So, because it wasn't your normal kind of wall, it was a lot more inside baseball, and a lot of people kind of shy away from that sort of thing. I haven't listened to um, last oh, I'm night. Glad, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, that's great. I that makes me even more encouraged to want to listen to it tomorrow. Um, I didn't get to listen to it today or last night because I've been busy, but today I was dealing with a computer issue, just like but a different computer issue that Rhino was dealing with. I was had a laptop that I couldn't figure out what was wrong with it, so I was dealing with that stuff. And too long, did not read or say. It turned out to be the power cord of the laptop was the issue. So that was like two to three hours of my life for a $50 power cord. So, yeah. All right. We, all right. So this whenever, whenever I go work on somebody's computer system or their, their, you know, their active directory or their you know, virtual environment or something like that, it's like we want to try and find the issue and we want it to be something that was hard, but we also want to be something that we can easily find. So it's like, it's like a two-sided two-sided coin where if it's something really easy to fix, then they're like, well, why didn't we see it? Mm-hmm. You know, but why did we have to call you in? But if it's something really, really hard then you're sitting there for days trying to figure it out and you don't want that either. You don't want them having to go through that either. So it's like, can we have something in between? <laughs> you know, trying to figure out something. Oh, you just you just didn't know about this. It's kind of as kind of hidden esoteric, but we know about it, so we're gonna help you out. That's kind of what we try to hope for. But usually, it's something either really stupid that they just missed, or it's something that we end up having to call Microsoft on because they got to get into the code and trying to figure out what weird thing is going on in there that's just not working in their environment. All right, so, oh, Campbell said he's a CS student. So I'm going to assume that means computer science. Rock on. Yeah. Hmm? That's what CS stands for, computer science. Well, could stand for creative student. Student. <laughs> <laughs> creative sweet student. I don't know. Yeah, you probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I don't think anything else stands for C. Or customer service student. See, it could civics, be civic studies, civ, civic study student. See, yeah, see, see, it could be all these different things, man. But all right, so um, that's low key wall. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, staying for this. Like, you guys could have been listening to and watching anything else and hanging out with anyone else, but you guys decided to come here and hang out with us. And thank you. You rock. You're freaking awesome. And I can't wait to hang out with you guys on next Friday night. Um, Rhino, do you want to go ahead and wrap up? Anything you want to go promote and t- or warn people about? Um, last night's wall, if you want to check it out, I was on there. and We did a good discussion on the Libertarian Party um, and kind of things, what's going on there, focusing on the, the LNC races, kind of a uh, focus into this to the situations. Um, I'll be back on covering for Harry as he is off doing work. Mm-hmm. I'll be back mm-hmm. on Tuesday night on wall. Um, otherwise you can get me on Twitch. I do streaming D and D on Saturdays 
at 1 p.m. Uh, we got another episode tomorrow. So if you want to check that out, it's Reinhold TV. Uh, Twitter is at Reinhold for political stuff and at Reinhold TV for uh, media, twitching, gaming, that sort of thing. That's it. I'm going to leave a link to that podcast episode right here. So if you want to listen to it, download it, um, go for it. Did I leave the right one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the right one. Two, three, net. Yeah. Sorry, like it says, like, because like at Fireside, it says it's 397, but it's episode 289. So anyways. Um, anyways, so. And also, all right, so. Thank you, like I said, thank you for the low-key wall. We'll do low-key wall again next Friday. You get to listen right home. We'll be sitting in my chair till we're done with my company's move from the north side of Indianapolis to, to downtown Indianapolis, which should be fun. I can't wait to be in the new space, to be uh, working downtown to and taking these you know small office network and um, IT network environment and bring it to get it to that enterprise level. I can't wait. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It feels it's going to be a lot of work, but I've never really taken something from a non-domain controller. It's either been like either they don't have a domain controller, no active directory and that's how they, you know, they're too small to do something like that and that's just where they want it or it's been in place and it's just like, "Hey, just maintain this." <laughs> We're just we're just gonna maintain, <laughs> just do maintenance and fill things in, you know. And you become a glorified, you know, password reset junkie. Okay, and that's all you do is reset passwords. But so it's great. I love it. This is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be amazing. Um, so like I said, um, thank you for tuning into Low Key Wall. Um, everyone, we, ooh, I'll get some other messages. Programming have been a good good one. Looking forward to be in BS and Discord. I always like to play and sharpen knives and a political discussion Discord, which is rather fun. It sure is. And if you do get out uh, uh, and programming is fun, most of the um, the company I work for is more of an IT tech startup, so like tons of these programmers and computer science people I work around and who know nothing about networking, but they're great devs and programmers, which is fun to be around. But anyways, thank you everybody. Bye. Bye everybody. Say bye right home. Bye everybody. Bye. <laughs>